0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What is going on? This is the day before the NBA draft. And guess what? NBA free agency news and trades are already drowning out the draft. The simple fact is... uh, you just can't have that big an impact on next year's title run or the title run the year after that with anybody who's going to be in the draft this year. Now, long term, somebody may surprise everybody. Uh, nobody really thinks there's a generational franchise guy in this draft, and there are more drafts without those guys than there are drafts with those guys. Um, you know, a Shaq and a Duncan come out, and they win nine titles in ten years. Is was that, was that, I think, what they won? Or eight and nine. Maybe it was eight and nine. Um But, you know, that's only two drafts in 10 years. So the other eight drafts, eh, you know, they're good players. They're Hall of Famers. They're all-stars. But Shaq and Duncan control the championships. And you look at how many times LeBron's been to the the finals and won the title now. And, uh, you know, that's just one draft where you have a LeBron in it. So I get that. I did think it might be a little slower on the trade news, but there's multiple things going on now. It started, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, uh, Chris Paul to Phoenix. And that is a bid to move Phoenix from perpetual lottery team to playoff team. You know, does that get you from 13, 14 or 15, wherever you are, up to uh, seven or eight? And... Then you hear that James Harden has turned down a $103 million contract extension, making him the first $50 million a year player, because he wants to end up in Brooklyn. And that's a staggering amount of money to walk away from. Now, I will say, um, as much as it blows all of our minds, we're all like, who would walk away from $50 million? You know, we don't want these guys playing for money. You know, we want these guys... Playing for championships and playing for the love of the game and uh, playing and uh, being passionate and high-fiving fans after, uh, you know, big buckets running back down the floor or going back to the free throw line, right? Um, So there are things that are more important than money. All right, well, there's something more important than money to to harden. Um, So that's positive now. Do I think he's going to win a championship in Houston? No. Um, But I also don't think he's going to win in New Jersey. I think that that's a lot of guys who want shots on one team and at the risk of getting Yach to play a drop really early in the morning that I don't really want him to play anyway, Uh, you know – Not enough shots to go around for all the shooters. Um, Because Kyrie Irving's going to want his. Durant's going to want his. Harden's going to want his. I think on some level, Durant and Harden uh, would sacrifice a little and roll with it. And I don't trust Irving at all. (laughs) And I don't think I'm in the minority. You know, the other guy's okay to a point. You know, I I think they could roll with it. And then Irving's going to want to shoot. And then he's going to say something crazy. And it's all, you know, how in the world is Steve Nash going to stay astride that monster? Steve, stick close to Kevin Durant. That's all I'll advise you. Um, you know, is this going to happen? Um, do they, what are the Rockets going to get back? What do they want to get back now? While we're all pondering that, comes the news of Drew Holiday for a boatload of picks. Three first-round picks and two pick swaps and two players, Bledsoe and Hill, I know, George Hill. That's two ex-Jazz players, by the way. Two ex-Jazz point guards on the move if you're scoring at home, because Ricky Rubio was in the Phoenix, Oklahoma City deal for, um, for Chris Paul. And now George Hall reportedly in this one. So... That means, I assume, that Milwaukee is going to re-sign Giannis and that uh, Milwaukee isn't going to need those draft picks. (laughs) Because if Giannis leaves and you've just shipped three first-round picks out of town, I don't know how protected they are, so that's a factor. Um, But I'm kind of thinking you're going to need those picks. Just a hunch. You know, you're going to need those picks. Now, maybe they got assurances from him, and everything is set, and maybe he really wants Drew Holiday. You know, Drew Holiday's a good player, uh, but Drew Holiday's 30 now. He's not a young guy anymore. He's got one all-star appearance. That's better than having none, but that's not the same as going five years in a row. You know, how much of a difference is he going to make? How much of a difference is he going to make in the East? But if he gets Giannis to sign... For the Bucks, that's kind of a big deal, right? Except for the kind of part, it's a really big deal to get him to sign. So, if that's uh, you know one of the things that gets him to sign, if that's a condition of his signing, so be it. Because you can't let him walk; he's got to sign. You got to get him on that five-year max extension there. So, um, a lot going on in the NBA, and you know David Locke was uh, on with us. And he said, uh, when he came back on with us next week, he joins us every Friday. He said, yeah, by the time we get here next week, I think we'll be talking about some big-time superstars that are moving. He says, that looks like the way it's trending. So, um, Drew Holiday is not a big-time superstar. That deal keeps a big-time superstar in place. But if Harden moves, Chris Paul moves, and now we haven't heard specifically... Um, where Westbrook will be going, or what will the deal be? You know, is he headed to L.A.? Because he's from L.A., so that's easy thing to assume, right? So we'll see how all that shakes out. But, uh yeah, David is right. Big names moving. How does this shake up the West? I don't think Phoenix is good enough. They'd have to take a quantum step to catch the Jazz. I don't think they'll do that. Um, now... We're going to see one or two teams crater because of injuries, right? So that happens every year. It was the Warriors last year. Um, You know, The Lakers and Clippers should still be top four. I don't know that the Warriors will be back to being a championship level. I don't know exactly what the roster is going to look like. But I'm assuming that just getting your big two back and having your big three together, that the Warriors are top four in the West. That would surprise me if they weren't. So Lakers, Clippers, Warriors. Now, Houston... Uh, obviously ready to drop dramatically. So that's something for uh, Jazz fans. Like if the Warriors are passing you going up, is anybody passing you coming down? Uh, Portland should be better. Uh, Trading for Robert Covington, giving up a couple of draft picks. But the big deal really for them is getting Nurkic back. Um, so Portland, team that was eight, um, can they move into the four, five, six range? You know, I would think so. A couple of years ago, um, they were uh, in the 2-3 series with Denver, right? And beat Denver in Game 7, they would have been the three seed. So, you know, the Warriors definitely moving up. Houston possibly moving up. Um, certainly seems like they'd be capable of getting back in there. So, the, you know, the West is, is difficult now. Two, one or two teams moving up. One team apparently moving down. And then Ok, Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, how good are they going to be right away? Um, you know, that's that's intriguing. I think they still have a pretty good team, probably not top 4 good, but maybe in the next 4. So the West is going to be vicious. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And it's going to be really hard to win a first round series in the West. Now, what's the Jazz roster going to look like? Um that is another excellent question. You know, I don't want to write any of these things in stone until we see how everything shakes out and, you know, where are we on December 1st? Cuz it seems like uh Between what is today, the 17th, Um, you know, what's going to happen over the next two weeks? How are these rosters going to be set? But it's easy right now to see the Jazz as a playoff team, but not as a top four team. Now, got a lot of young guys who can all take quantum leaps, and somebody is going to get gutted by injuries. Will it be the Jazz? Will it be the Nuggets? Uh, You know, two years ago, it was the Lakers, right? And LeBron got hurt, and they plummeted and missed the playoffs, and nobody saw that coming. Last year, the Warriors plummeted because of injuries. Somebody always does. Maybe it'll be the Clippers, right? There's there's no way to know. Um, you just you just know what's going to happen. Well, you see what I've done there? I've talked to NBA for eight minutes, and uh, it's almost like, David, are you trying to avoid the Monday night football game? Absolutely. That thing put me to sleep. I literally fell asleep in my chair, nodded off, missed a chunk of the game. Don't regret missing it at all. Wish I'd missed more. What a snooze fest! I know people love defensive struggles, and you got to give it up. the The Chicago defense is good. We know that, but man, those offenses were clunkers. They were gifted good field position, both of them, and just struggled to make anything out of it. You know, Minnesota gets a turnover there at the twenty. I mean, you're already in the red zone, going in. Can't get the touchdown. Throw a couple of incomplete passes. Run for a yard. Kick a field goal. Wow, not impressed. Not impressed at all. Um, Nick Foles looked like he was seriously hurt. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but when you go off on a cart, that isn't good. He looked like he was hurt and he knew he was hurt. You know, uh, I tore my ACL. I didn't know what I'd done, but I knew I was hurt. I knew it was bad. I played a lot of basketball, rolled a lot of ankles, dislocated fingers. Um, cut facial cuts and needed stitches you know but it's like this was a new thing i don't know what this is but this is bad and he had that kind of that kind of look so we'll see where that goes for him we'll probably hear something later today i would assume Minnesota wins they got a winning streak Kirk Cousins is an over for on Monday night football but they just don't you know, you watch other teams that just don't pass the eyeball test. You know, you can say that the Rams' offense isn't a work of art, but the defense is very good. And you know, they got a B or B minus offense. And Chicago's defense is very good, and they got like a D or D minus offense. So, how the how they would ever get past the Packers and the Rams and the Seahawks and the Cardinals? <clears throat> you know, you can draw this list now. The Saints are an interesting story. The Saints, um, you know, Drew Brees is out. On the short end, two to three weeks, yeah, but will it be four to five? Now, it is early enough. You know, he's got six weeks to the six regular season games left right at 11-12. Yeah, so he got uh, six more weeks of regular season. So I would assume he's back for the playoffs. Um, but, man, that guy was out there with a collapsed lung and uh, multiple broken ribs. I think the final count was five, like two on one side, three on the other, something like that. Um Brutal. And he tried to play through it. You're a gamer, but he did the right thing. Get over to the sideline already. Turns out your lung has collapsed. And I saw you people on Twitter blaming the Charger doctors. I get it. We all remember week one. But come on now, people. I know Breeze was a Charger for a while, but come on now, people. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some BYU football. Uh, the Cougars meeting with the media. The youths are going to meet with the media later today. We're going to have Kyle Whittingham coming up. I think it's about 830 this morning, so make sure you're here for that. we hear from the Cougars next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: All right, it's time to talk a little BYU football. We're gonna hear from some of the Cougars. They met with the media yesterday. Uh, we had Frank Miley on, uh, the interim head coach for the Aggies. We had him on yesterday. We're gonna have Kyle Winningham, Kyle Winningham's media availability on at 8:30. Uh, if you missed Frank, he's up at 12:30. Thezone.com. All you Aggie fans can catch up with him there. Found him very just very blunt, very direct. I like interviews like that. Not a lot of a. Uh, dance around. If he doesn't want to talk about it, he do not want to talk about it. If he doesn't like your premise, he'll tell you. It was really blunt and direct. I enjoyed it a lot. Looking forward to having him on uh, next Monday. Hopefully talking about a win in Wyoming, but I wouldn't think so. But you never know. They're huge underdogs. 18, 19 points. Uh, BYU, massive favorites. I didn't see any line for the Cougars game, which isn't unusual because they're playing down a division. They're playing a, a championship subdivision team. Um, which is like playing Weber State, except uh, Weber State's good and North Alabama isn't 0 3 right now. Uh, we expect BYU wins by a lot. The line was BYU by 47. Yeah. Uh, what is the point of that? You can go to our Facebook page. Um, you know, is this a beauty pageant? or they is BYU to get an advantage by running it up and we can get into this later in the show, but I would tell you that uh, yes to a point. It's diminishing returns. Everybody draws their own line whether it's 20, 30 or 40 points. I personally think once you once you've won by that third or fourth touchdown, what does it matter? You know, maybe because you know you're not you're not playing a team with any rep. If you're playing a, a lower group of five team, or well, if you're playing any O and three team, uh, which is what they're playing. Um, if you're playing down a division, if you're playing um, a lower end group of five team, maybe you need to win by more. You need to win by you know that fourth touchdown or whatever. But at some point, so what? And you know it. The winds have been big enough. They've been lopsided enough. I don't think that. Oh, they didn't get to fifty. Mm, so what? What's the difference between winning forty-five to ten and winning fifty-two to nothing? Now you can say seventeen points. I just don't think it matters. Uh, but we can get into that later in the show. Uh, one thing that has mattered is the BYU defense has been good. Um, one of the reasons you – well, one of the big reasons you get blowouts, everyone always focuses on do the offense score a lot of points. But, you know, we see 45 to nothing games and we see 45-41 to 41 games. You know, the defense gives you a blowout by getting stop after stop after stop. Zach Dodd, defensive lineman, meeting with the media, talking about the defense here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
2: Hey, Zach. A lot of uh, college football world's talking about the COVID testing and teams canceling games. And how how have you guys been able so far, knock on wood, to – to be able to get seven straight games in,
3: um, you know, I just think um, our coaches and our staff here have a great plan, and uh, every you know every other day we're here doing COVID tests and making sure that we're healthy and able to play, and and uh, those who aren't able to play that that they are have the. Right opportunity to get healthy and come back, and so everything this year has been different and unique. But um, I feel like our coaching staff and and the medical staff here has been um, you know outstanding, outstanding what they do, making sure that we have quick testing and and uh, helping make sure everything's sanitized. And so I think that that goes a long way to help us play. You know the amount of games that we played so far.
2: When you say. Every other day testing. So, are you tested three days a week? And has that been pretty standard throughout this whole pandemic?
3: Yeah, yeah, three days a week. Um, just got to hurry, come get tested. We all know it's it's the thing that we have to do, um, so we can play. So everyone's everyone does it. We don't have anyone miss. You know, guys are guys are on it. So,
2: is that the saliva test or the? the swab in your throat what what is the test
3: um when we first started back in the summer we did the the nasal swabs and that wasn't very fun I'm sure a lot of you have had the nasal swab but we do the the saliva test now so it's pretty less invasive and uh it's also pretty quick so
4: Zach, just talking to Kalani just now about the goal of continual improvement. There's always things to work on. How do you feel like the team did during the bye week at uh, at making that happen?
3: Um, I thought it was a good bye week. Um, the coaching staff let us focus more on um, just kind of recovery and and getting in a little bit more shape. So the strength staff was here. We were here um, every day just lifting and running and, and working on our bodies. So I thought it was... a uh, a needed week for, for the program, just for everyone to, you know, to get stronger and, and just take some care of some, like, the bumps and bruises. So, coming back this week, I, I'm excited because I'm feeling good. Everyone's feeling pretty good from what I've heard. So, I, I think it was a needed week.
4: I also wanted to ask, this is the season of Thanksgiving. You've been through a lot in your personal career. We've talked about it before. And, and mm. a lot of the team, of course, has been through a lot as well. What does this season mean to you guys this year that maybe it's different than in other years just because there has been such a focus on gratitude?
3: Um, You know, every single game, we're just grateful to play. Um, we've seen, you know, other teams. You, you th- we think we have a big, you know, lineup in all these games and they get shut down the, the day before. So every single time we're able to to take the field, we're grateful. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of team com- camaraderie around, um, this program and, and we all love each other. And, um, it's just a lot of fun. You know, we're grateful to be here, you know, I'm a senior, so it's been a unique season. Obviously it wasn't the schedule we planned for but every game and every opportunity that we have to just to go out and play and, and show what we can do. It's just a huge blessing. And I think we're all aware of that. So we try not to take anything for granted. Let's
5: take a question from Pat Graham and then Jacob Hatch. Yeah, hey, uh,
6: a two-parter for you. Number one is, uh, you know, Cal, uh, Cal and UCLA basically found out four days before, before the game that they were playing each other. How much time would it take for you guys to get ready during if you, you, know, you have those two bye weeks right now? And then the second part of that would be, given that this is your last chance for a couple of weeks, do you almost have to put extra emphasis on this game just to impress people, impress voters, impress anything, or do you guys not think that way?
3: Um, so if, as far as I understand with your first question, just preparing for a game.
6: Yeah. How, like what is four days enough? If you found out four days before you're playing someone, is that enough?
3: Oh yeah, I think so. Um, Like going into the Boise game, we had a short week and uh, I think four, four days is plenty. So one day full of pads, one day, you know, to walk through and, and, you know, one day to travel. So I think four days is plenty Um, as far as, you know, expectations and all those things um, you know, it's all just kind of, that's just background noise. Um, we understand what we need to do, and every single game, like I was talking about, is, is special. So it doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter, you know, what time we play or the circumstances. We need to play every game at our best. And uh, as far as the noise out there, you know, it's awesome. People are happy for us, but at the same time, we're not done yet. And uh, we know that, so we just got to keep going and, and got to play our best games teams around the
7: country there's very few that have never played an fcs game you guys traditionally play this game late in the season as compared to other teams who move it earlier in the year i know 2020 has been a weird season do you like playing these games first off and if you do would you rather see them played earlier in the season
3: um i don't don't know if it necessarily matters every time you know we play these teams they show up and uh, a lot of people you know, sometimes they haven't heard about a team or, or don't know as much about a team because we're from you know the West Coast and we're playing someone from you know the South. But um, every time teams like this show up, they show up and they play their best. And you know these guys are every time they get to play in a bigger stadium or or play against you know bigger opponents, they're they're bringing their A game and uh, they've been preparing. And I know that we're gonna get their best shot. So um, at the beginning end of the season, I don't think it matters. every time we just have to come out and play and it's just another opportunity, better. And so, um, you know, these teams are great. They they do have a lot of great athletes. So we just have to show up and play.
5: All right. Let's take a question from Mitch Harper and then Jason Shepard.
8: Yeah, Zach, you mentioned earlier that, you know, this is your senior year, but with it being such a unique season, it's, it's free year where you could come back. Have you put any thought into potentially coming back next year and, as some of the other seniors as well, put any thought into that?
3: Um, I haven't done that evaluation yet. I'm just going to wait and play the rest of the season and come back and address that later. But um, I think a lot of the seniors, we're just trying to focus on this year and make the most out of this year and just do our best this year before we, we think about the future.
6: Zach, you guys obviously played eight games. There's going to be a very significant chunk of college football that may not even play half that amount of games. And you've already got that in with more to come. From an on the field perspective, where do you think that has given you the biggest advantage when you step out on the field, having had that many games under your belt?
3: Um, I, you know, it's just more practice, more repetition. And, uh, you know, it's just every time we get to go out there, it's more game film. It's just more exposure time. So um, I think we're, we're blessed for how much we've been able to play and, and you know, we're able to improve every week and, and look at the things that we're not doing so well and correct them. So I think it's a big big advantage point just to have more experience, you know, in a game-like setting.
5: All right, let's take the last question here from Jay Hatch.
7: Yeah, Zach. Uh, we saw the announcement last week that no fans will be in the stands at this game against North Alabama, but they are allowing coaches and players' families to attend. How important is that to you to have your guys' families at least there watching you?
3: Um, for for me, it's huge. I'm married, so my wife is like, if you're not, if if I can't come, then then she was gonna, you know, wait in the parking lot and do whatever she had to do. But um, it's it's fun to have you know my parents there and my wife just because you know they're the majority of the reason why I'm here, they help support and like all the other players, their families are everything for them. And so just to, you know, it's not a full stadium. We get that. We haven't played at a full stadium all year, but just to play in front of, you know, our loved ones and our family, it's special. And, uh, you know, the people who show up, they, they still make a lot of noise and they, they fill the house. And, and we know that people are still supporting us from, you know, their social distance homes and, so we just got to go out and represent because we know everyone's watching. And we got to play for Cougar Nation.
0: There's BYU defensive lineman Zach Daw. When, right now, oh, Well, when we come back later, we're going to hear from the head coach, Kalani Sitake. But before we go to break, I want you to hear from BYU running back Tyler Algier. I think he's been running, running well, running harder. I know it's running back by committee, but to me, he's kind of become guy 1A. Um, lots of guys can make plays, and certainly... Uh, Katoa Lapino Katoa has made plays, but I just trust Algier to make more. And obviously, he had the big one at Boise, right? And that's going to be the signature run for the offense. I don't think they're going to have a better run than that in a better situation, right? Like that, right? The game's it's early and he makes the first big play of the game and goes 86 yards for a touchdown for BYU. Um, Here's Tyler Algier, but his season's been more than just that one run. I think he's been steady. I think he's been the most reliable back they've had. Other guys have done good things, but he's been the best. Here's Tyler Algier on 97.5 and 12.80 of the zone.
6: Tyler, one of the things that you guys have done and talked about all year has been you wanted to be as physical as you possibly could and really be the aggressor. You guys have obviously been able to do that with that in mind, how how do you approach facing a team that you're such a heavy favorite with that you have the big size advantage of, you know, in an FCS opponent? How, how do you how do you keep that type of mentality this week?
9: Honestly, we just gotta have that mentality that we have a we always we're like right now we're eight zero and we have a bounty on our head right now because everyone wants to beat us. So you know they can come up with the bang. Yeah, we might be the favorite, but they they can like they're the aggressors right now because they we have the bounty on our head. So, you know, just having that having that mindset of just respecting every opponent that we face and just winning this week is probably the most important thing that we have to have.
4: Tyler, what did you personally do during the bye week? What was what was your focus personally to to try and get better uh, when you had the the week off?
9: I'm honestly healing up all the little, the little injuries, healing up just, yeah, focusing on rehab, but, you know, just focusing on the little things, especially like in the, in the past games, just watching film and all that. And then especially getting a, getting a beat on these guys this week. So...
4: The other thing I was going to just ask really quick, we, we've, it's the Thanksgiving season. I've asked the other guys about this, and, and obviously the standard things like football and family, those are things everybody's going to be definitely thankful for. What's something maybe that's unique to you that you feel thankful for at this time of year?
9: I would say, thing. I would say the same thing. Football, and, football and family, because family just plays a whole, just a big part, and, and it's just, it's just not my family, but just family, just a beyond football, or like just our guys too, just the brotherhood that we have and all the coaches. So, just family overall, and just God, and all the, and all of, all of the little aspects in that.
5: All right, let's hear from Sean Walker and Jay Drew.
9: And turn off my, my mute button, sorry.
7: Um, Tyler, w- with uh, with last week being the bye week and not having kind of that carrot, that opponent to look forward to at the end of the week, how much did that play into reminding reminding you guys of of like we're still living in a pandemic, there are still all these protocols and testing and that kind of thing. Did did you still have to I guess what what, what did you kind of do during the bye week to sort of avoid COVID
8: for lack of a better term?
9: Honestly, it was just we just had to treat it like to sit like a regular like a regular week as if we had a game we still had to test. But we always always have to have your mask on. That's the big thing because that's how that's how it spreads really. So, you know, just us doing what we would do on a daily basis is how we would really extract COVID, I would say.
2: Tyler, going back to your recruitment and coming to BYU and you obviously a walk on. Are you are you still a walk on or do you have a scholarship? Oh,
9: no, I got a – yeah, I have a scholarship. Okay, good. Good for
2: you. Um, no. What? Why did you come to BYU of all places?
9: What, what Honestly, I think it was just a – it was just an environment, the environment and just the football, the football staff, the coaches and just the brotherhood. Because, like, right when I walked in the – into the locker room, like, everyone just dabbed me up and all that. It was just like – as if, like, obviously they didn't know me, but it was just like they treated me as if, I don't know, I, I guess like it was just a brotherhood in the BYU locker room. It was just the environment and the academics. My my mom really liked the academics there. So it was just, just overall, it's overall great place to be.
2: And then after your big run against Boise State, just describe how maybe your phone blew up or reaction you got just from back home or friends, or do you have any kind of,
9: Interesting anecdotes about that? Oh no, just family was just family and friends were just all happy for me, and especially just this season of just me going out there and just taking taking it week by week and just doing what I can do, just for the team. So
8: it's just a good thing. Tyler, you mentioned earlier the uh, you know heightened or uh, the, the, the the bounty on on your guys' head because of the the lofty ranking you guys currently have. Has how has that impacted maybe your preparation for games being dialed in? to your playbook each and every week? How, how has that impacted having those, these heightened expectations?
9: Honestly, we just got to think of it as if, like, we're owing. Like, yeah, we have the bounty, but we just got to think of it O oh and O. Oh. Like, every Monday, Coach Grimes always says, that game was over. That game was over. So, right now, we just got to start for a new week. So, right now, we just got to worry about winning that one game, and that game is this week.
8: How, how nice is it to be in a backfield that, that has Zach Wilson, a Heisman candidate, and and other you know, running backs when you're not in with Lopini and Finao, just speak to the, the the just the talent that's in that backfield currently in this in this offensive uh system right now.
9: No, you know, we're really, really grateful for all of them. And you know, all of it, like it wasn't just something that it was just they were just blessed with. You know, we all worked hard, especially Zach Wilson. He did everything he can in the off season, especially all everyone in the backfield, the receivers, O linemen to, to us to the worked our butts off this offseason just to get where we are right now. And I think that played a big role, especially with this COVID pandemic going on right now. All
5: right, let's take a question from Jay Hatch.
7: Tyler, I want to ask you, what do you run the 40-yard dash in? Do you know?
9: When we tested it, it was like a 4-5, 4, or five, four or five flat.
7: And – I think a lot of people see you listed at five eleven, two hundred and twenty 220 pounds. They see you as a power back. Do you like proving people wrong and showing that that speed when you got feel like you showed at Boise when you broke into the open field?
9: Oh, no, for sure. Because like, I, I just don't want to be that power back. Like, yeah, I might have the power shown, but, you know, it's just that little secret speed that kind of catches people off guard. So, you know, I, that's what I worked on the off season, especially. So, you know, just trying to get that power back name just out of the system and just... Boom, just Tyler.
7: I also wanted to ask you, you guys run a lot of zone concepts, inside zone, outside zone. How much of a learning curve is it as a running back to get used to that type of scheme?
9: You know, honestly, it's just just getting down the reads the really reads of it just knowing not just your position and your reads but how the o-line works like to for example like a double team or whatever how what they go to to the backer and just the whole scheme in general so just really learning that whole scheme and getting it dialed in and just having fun on the field it really just is the main aspect in that
7: and was that a zone scheme on that touchdown run against Boise yeah okay so that it was like a is that almost like running that blocking? Is that, is that blocked to almost perfection?
9: Yeah, yeah, honestly, because Isaac Gray suddenly came down across the field, and I don't even know if he was supposed to do that, but he ended up coming down across the field and blocking, was it the safety, and then that's what really just ended up having to see him right there.
0: There's BYU running back Tyler Algier. All right, as promised, we'll take a break. We'll come back. you hear from the head coach, Kalani Sitake. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from BYU football coach Kalani Sitake. We had we had, uh, we had had uh, Frank Miley, the interim coach at Utah State, on yesterday. If you didn't hear our interview with him, it's up at 1280thezone.com. Kyle Whittingham's going to be here at 830 this morning. But right now, here is Kalani Sitake,
10: head coach of the 8-0 Cougars. I'm um, looking forward to the game. Glad to get back on the field again this week after a bye week. Uh, last week, we took advantage of time off and and try to get some guys um you know healthier but also get get work on our conditioning still and make sure that we're ready to roll this weekend when we play north alabama um we're able to get some corrections that some of the mistakes that that we saw and some things that we can do better as a team and in all our phases all three phases um and uh made, and we feel like we're in a good spot right now and looking forward to a, a physical and tough practice this afternoon. So, with that being said, excited about the matchup with North Alabama. Well-coached team and, uh, you know, they're coming here to Provo and, and looking forward to playing them and, and trying to get in a position where we can perform at our best. So, any questions you guys have, I'll take.
5: All right, let's go with Jared Lloyd, then Mitch Harper, and then Jay Drew.
10: Kalani,
4: I'm sure you've seen all the news as far as all the spikes going with the, with COVID-19 and the impact it's had on college football. How are you guys doing in that regard? You've said, you know, over the last month that you've been doing really well, just wondered how, uh, what the update was there.
10: Yeah. I mean, I think we're still doing good. Looking at our, our situation compared to others. And, and I think right now, you know, we're, we're no different than a lot of other places, except for the numbers aren't as high. The plot, our players being smart and trying to, everything they can I'm not saying that no one else is smart it's just that this thing is unpredictable so they're doing as much as they can and um, you know for guys there that, that are trying to stay away and social distance wear masks and all those things uh, there's still some that, that, that contract it and, and uh, we have to go with the, pr- the right protocols and make sure that they are quarantined and that we do a good job of making sure that we eliminate the uh, issues that come along with contact tracing which I imagine I don't know all the details but I imagine that seems to be be the biggest issue with a lot of the other teams. And so uh, we can keep our numbers low. And, and if not, you know, if, if guys are out, then they're out. We have to play with our depth. And uh, that's just another part of the game for us this year. And that, that we're no different than everyone else. So I think there's a there's not one team that can say they're going into the each game uh, 100% healthy because of COVID. So um, you know, we just have to adjust and just thankful for the opportunity that we had to play the game. So that's that's got to be our primary focus.
4: You've it's talked gratitude. a lot about... Kalani, you've talked a lot about that gratitude aspect with this being, you know, the Thanksgiving season. Is it even a stronger, you know, just just the, the Thanksgiving holiday? Does that mean even more this year just because of all that gratitude that you focused on for the last few months?
10: Well, I think the that that part of it is just we had Thanksgiving. And it's like one of those moments where it allows you to just kind of reflect on what you're thankful for. But that that's kind of forced upon us early, you know, and when, when, uh, probably since March. And so I think this, this season, uh, this Thanksgiving is going to be a little different where people have been, that's been a little bit more on their minds that we don't take things for granted uh, as much as we did before. And, and so, uh, it's a good reminder for us and possibly good to, to have that gratitude and something that you probably carry on from, from here on out and, and, uh, try to stay humble enough to, to appreciate you know the people and, and the wonderful things that you have around you. So that that's, I think it's going to be something that's going to help us. But it's it's not unique to us. It's it's uh, what everybody gets to get to gets to enjoy. And, and I hope we we never forget.
8: Kalani, during the bye week, uh, did your team uh, continue the the, th- the three tests per week in regards to COVID? And how optimistic are you that the game will be played this Saturday against North Alabama?
10: Yeah, we're still keeping up with our testing and and, um, still following the protocols that our sports medicine department leads us with. And uh, in the meantime, you know, we make the proper adjustments to what our state officials and government's telling us. And, and, uh, you know, these guys uh, say in our program and everyone here has has done a a good job of of adapting to whatever happens. And so uh, whatever they say, uh, we've played games with Fans with no fans, with um, you know, on the road and things like that, and there's just it's an education uh, issue for all of us. We're still learning as we go, and I feel like we've got a jump start on everything. Our players understand a little bit more now, um, especially since that that Army week, you know, where that game was was uh, postponed and so or canceled, and so we're, we're still. Um, to the fact that we we're able to get those seven games in a row, I applaud everyone in. in on the campus and administration, and our sports medicine department, and our our people in the program, uh, taking the initiative and trying to be um, as safe as possible, and that needs to continue. Now, we, you know, when we're having a situation where we're not playing a lot of games right now, and we're, we've had our first buy uh, that's on our schedule, you know, and, and now we have a game, so I think we handled the buy really well and had the guys go through the whole testing protocol and everything, and. And we'll just keep rolling as we go and then make sure that we stay on top of everything and educate our guys even more on, on how to be safe and how to uh, do things the right way.
8: And is there any concern from from you to uh, to have this many bye weeks uh, at the end of the season, only two games in the last six weeks? Uh, I mean, is that something that, that you don't mind or how, how do you feel about that? Well, this whole season's
10: different, so... Uh, my feelings are we're going to be ready to play every week. That's, that's what I'm going to prep our team to be. So uh, regardless we have a game schedule that weekend or not, we'll, we will be ready for a game every weekend.
2: Lonnie, the, uh, the Pac-12 has a policy that if you fall below 53 available scholarship players, you can't play. Different, You have to have seven offensive linemen, different numbers like that. Does your program have any of those threshold numbers established that you have to meet?
10: Yeah, we have some, something that's similar. Um, I think for us, we've we you know we've done a lot of cross training, even with our O line and D line. So we have uh, a little bit more wiggle room and, and a little bit more um, opportunities to see guys at different positions. And so, luckily, we've been able to do that. That's kind of been our our mo here is getting guys cross trained and 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 teaching them football. So we we've. We have guys that can play a lot of different positions and it's just a matter of them getting enough experience there. And I think we should be okay if, um, you know, if we ever need to get to our, we've had to work our depth, but if we ever need to get to uh, something like that, then I'm sure guys like Tyrus would love to play guard or running back or something like that. But I don't know. We'll just, we'll just keep doing it, teach our guys football and, and hopefully during that week have our guys ready to play and, 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 and contribute wherever they can.
2: So can you give me the specific number of scholarship players that you need to have available to play?
10: We need 11 to play on offense, 11 to play on defense, (laughs) and 11 to play on special teams. So that's pretty much it. I'm not going to go here and give you all the things on guys that can play a lot of different positions because we have that too. So if there's enough to put on the field, we'll play.
5: All right, let's take a question from Jason Shepard and Jacob Hatch.
6: Kalani, how do you, or or does how you gauge success or evaluate a game? How, how does that change um, based on the opponent in terms of facing a, a, a team from the FCS?
10: Doesn't change. I mean, that, when you look at our our ability to prepare, and 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 it, you know, part of that whole preparation is is respecting your opponents. So I, I see some of the that Chris Willis is doing as a head coach. And I think he's done some, I mean, uh, I know they're their own three, but if you look at what they've done and, they're, and then you watch the film like I have on, on all three phases, he prepares his guys the right way. He's had some really good mentors and he's been in North Alabama for a long time. It's a lot of pride in, in him, um, you know. Them showing at their best, and they've done some really good things. I mean, they've been competitive. Uh, they held an explosive offense like Liberty to seven points in the first half, and we're at seven zero at halftime. And if you watch them, they haven't. I mean, that's that's the most points they've surrendered, and they lost twenty eight to seven. Um, but then you look at the other games; they haven't given up more than twenty eight points a game, and that's. I look at the schemes and the way that he teaches his guys, and they're 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 you uh, know yeah, really well coached. And good schemes. They can be aggressive when they need to be, and, and and we have to. They have to have all of our attention. That's 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 no different than any other opponent that we that we face. Our, our approach is going into this thing. Like we have to be at our best. We're assuming and and, and the way I look at their coaches and the way I've seen them play uh, and the way they start even the Southern Mississippi game, the way that they play their games, they're going to bring a lot of energy and they're going to be ready for this game. So we're gonna we're anticipating getting their best shot. You've heard this say, me say this over and over again. We need to make sure that they get ours as well. And so, uh, with that being said, that's that's the whole preparation this week is to make sure that we're in a position to be at our best, and that we uh, we respect our opponents and then and uh, you know show them the the respect the game enough to show them that we we can come after them with the best that we got everything that we got.
6: Yeah, one other thing. I, I know that you have faced a lot of teams this year that either BYU has never faced or maybe those teams have never played in this part of the country, what, what has been the, the reception that you have got from these other teams that may be coming out here for the very first time, experiencing BYU for the first time? Have you been able to get any feedback in terms of how their experience has gone? And, and how much do you, do you go into making sure that their experience here is a positive one in terms of obviously away from the game and, and making sure that kind of stuff is, is good for them?
10: Well, I mean, I trust the people that are here. I, I don't. I don't really get into the, uh, you know, whether they already eat certain restaurants and, and spots like that with them. I, I'm a. I, I'm not doing travel and tourism and trying to find out how to make their stay more comfortable. I think most of those guys figure it out. And most of the teams that come here stay at the Marriott right downtown Provo. And, and um, you know, they have good catering and all that stuff. For me, it's like we're going to show them our, our, you know, what we can do on the field and play with as much sportsmanship as we can. And it's never perfect, but we want to do that as a, as a program and and see what happens after that. And uh, But I'm... I, don't want to make it too comfortable for them. We're on the field; so that's what matters the most. And I think if we show up at our best, and we have a good chance in, in a lot of games. And, and I feel the same way this weekend.
7: Kalani Martin Hanks, he's the Pac-12 associate commissioner for football ops. He he made a statement over the weekend that they were going to look into potentially allowing Pac-12 teams to play non-conference games. I wanted to ask you not specifically about that and scheduling, but. How soon do you feel like you would need to find out that you were playing an opponent to feel like you're adequately, adequately prepared to play?
10: Well, I guess that depends on whether we're on the road or at home, that that factors into it. And the timing for us is just, you know, we, we don't look past any opponent uh, uh, other than that week. And so for me, get it done as soon as you can. So that gives us time that when we're done with our, our, our current game, we can move on to scouting them and, and getting that done. I watched the Cal-UCLA game on Sunday, you know, and and, and that that seemed like a quick turnaround. And I think it worked out for both teams to to be able to get that game going. But uh, for us, if you want to get our best look, I think you have to give us a week of preparation. But I think it's the right thing to do on both sides, you know. So I don't know how you want to factor all that stuff between that, the travel and everything that can go. um, I, I just... You know tom's asked me to get our guys ready to play every week and that's that's my that's what i'm going to do and so uh if we get any news on anything then we'll go from there okay hanks by the way is a great 49er loved watching him play that he he's my niners
7: um just another question I had for you is: I've seen Chandon Herring. He actually doesn't wear knee braces as an offensive lineman. Is this? I know a lot of a lot of programs require these guys to wear those braces to protect them from injury. Why does he not wear it? Is it a requirement, or is it kind of an optional thing with you?
10: Um, well, I think it's a requirement during practice, and then uh, you know I kind of let them figure out what what is more. Um, what they feel the most comfortable with. I believe in in taking the you know the right measures to keep our guys safe, and then uh, we also want to be able to get some feedback from our training room and our equipment people and figure out what the best best uh, situation for them to play at. And so uh, there's a little bit of wiggle room, you know. I, I don't make all the quarterbacks wear a rib protector. I don't make all the Linebackers wear, you know, forearm braces or anything like that. That's kind of when you get into it, it's a it's, a, it's a personal preference. And I think it's important that we work with them. You know, all I know is we have certain equipment that we use and whether they're knee braces or other things like that or mouthpieces or whatever they may be. I mean, some guys like the custom fit mouthpieces. Other guys like that, that binky looking thing that they like to wear. And fit guy. I just like to, you know, be able to breathe as much as I could, but I think it's, it's a, it's a personal deal for those guys. And, and, uh, but we have our certain brands that we believe in. And, uh, when it comes to equipment, we have those brands that we, we believe in. And then when it comes to our, you know, who sponsors us, that's all Nike. So that's all that matters to
3: us. All right. Let's
5: take a question from Pat Kinahan.
3: Coach, you got an opportunity to do something that this program hasn't done since you've gone independent. I know you're not going to like this question, but how much <laughs> should style points matter?
10: I like winning. That's, I mean, I, I want to be at our best and then win the game. And then whatever happens and however everybody evaluates it, uh, that's that, that they can see it however they want. I, I think the most important thing for us is to uh, be at our best this weekend. And, and uh, if that's stylish to everybody, great. But I've been not i'm not a guy all about style I'm like you pk i don't have the uh, the dress and the wardrobe to to match it everything i wear is pretty much free so uh comes to that stuff if, if the team's looking at my style then it's probably you know really uh really i don't know how you say it, just normal but if you're looking at like the way some of these other guys dress and they'd be flashy but in terms of football we want to be at our best and whatever happens whatever the scoreboard shows i think if we're at our best we can live with the results Thank
5: you. All right. Let's take another question from Jared Lloyd.
4: Bonnie, you've talked about how the goal is continual improvement. I wanted to know, first of all, how you gauged that improvement from last week on the bye week, and then what you're going to look at as far as what what you want to do for this week, for this week's game.
10: Yeah. Well, from last week, I think so. What happens is is a lot of times Because, you know, the the end of the story, you know, that when you win games, you sometimes overlook room for improvement. And when you on the other side of things, when you lose games, you make a mountain out of a molehill. And so uh you know all of a sudden when you lose a game that one play becomes so important it's like in basketball that one free throw that you missed cost the team the the, the game when you lost by one right so in football to me and in sports i think that regardless of the win or the lose we have the, or the loss we have to find a way to improve and um and I think sometimes you, you make something bigger than it should be when you lose. And sometimes when you win, you over you overlook some things because you feel good about the outcome. I like to just keep it as simple as possible and try to just get better all the time, regardless of what the result of the game is. And I think if you have that approach, you're going to find ways to improve as quickly as possible. Um, there's a lot of things that we saw from the Boise game that we can improve on. And um, some of it's really frustrating for me as a coach. And some things uh, just need to be you know addressed right away. But um, I think there's things that we can fix quickly from that turnaround to this game and, and throughout the week. There's, there's things on there, the mistakes that we made that I think that are very fixable uh, with some practice and some focus from our players. And, and then, you know, I, I think I understand mistakes do happen, but some of them are some of them shouldn't happen. Let's just put it that way. And, and looking forward to us. So my goal is to try to get us to play a perfect game every week. And I hope we play one this weekend.
0: There's BYU head coach Kalani Satake. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.